Hello and welcome to episode 944 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, June 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm on day one of quitting smoking. Um, so if okay. I start yelling at you for no apparent reason throughout the podcast, I'm going to blame that. There's a reason. Yeah. No, yeah. understood. Understood. It's, it's not easy. Um, I smoked a bit in college for like a 18-month period there where I was oh, – dude, I was going in for a bit, not going to lie. Stone cold uh, quit cold turkey, and it was not easy. You know, I think the the toughest part, which obviously is not something you have to deal with anymore, but was like when drinking. I know that's always a hurdle for people who smoke and drink, is that when they when they start, you know, they have that first time when they're partying, they're like, oh god, I want one so badly, uh, and that was the that was the hurdle for me. So, you know, not the same scenario that that uh, that you're dealing with. So I know it's going to be difficult, but I wish you the best, and you know. Don't uh, don't beat yourself up if it doesn't all happen perfectly at once, you know. Yeah, well, I've been trying this new like health routine, and it's it's going so well so far. I'm I'm down just about ten pounds in like the first ten days of doing this, uh, which uh, my wife pointed out is not sustainable. I don't know if I believe true, her. but you wouldn't want it to be because then you'd be emaciated in in short order. So uh, we we you know we don't we don't want you to just waste away. Yeah, but then I'll have, uh, like, those abs, like, that, like, are in magazines and stuff. Like, that would be awesome. Well, would you, though? Would you? If you just lost a pound a day and just rapidly lost weight, I don't know if it would immediately turn into washboard abs. Who can say for sure? I'd I'd be the skinny one on the podcast. Good. I mean, you got a long way to go for that, and that speaks more to uh, my lack of weight than anything else. Um. But we got plenty of baseball to talk about, so let's get into it. First off, though, Patreon game of the week this week. We got some great choices. I think I know where it's going to go, but I'm going to give the underrated choices first. John Gant versus Matt Manning. We can watch the man, the myth, the legend, John Gant. Uh, you know, throw eight eight scoreless somehow with one strikeout, seven walks, fourteen hits allowed, but only one run. I'm sure that's what he'll do. Matt Manning in his uh, second start. Brandon Woodruff against Caleb Smith. That's also at noon on Wednesday. Or we wait a little way later in the day and we go Kevin Gossman against Shohei Otani. No, I think we got to go Gossman Otani. That's what I'm saying. I figured that that's where we would go. Um, like I said, that's why I said those were the underrated ones first. Ooh, we're just going on case. Wednesday this week. It is Wednesday. Can okay. you do Wednesday? Um, I'll be kind of in and out. Okay. It'll pr- this one will be planned probably not to watch the whole game unless one of them you know somehow made it through. This is really going to be focused on the starters because it is a Wednesday afternoon. It'll be bumping up against me headed out to trivia. But the point is to watch the starters, two of the best in the game right now with Gosman and Otani. So basically you're committing to about an hour and a half, two hours. Well, time. and I think should they pitch well? I think we got we got to hit up Jason because I think he said he's available this week to watch. Uh, That'd be fantastic. Watch this. So yeah, just join the Discord. Well, if you're on the Patreon, anything with the Discord tier, which I believe is the 420, it is. We're children or higher. Uh, yeah, we're absolute children. And then you can get in the Discord. You come in. Do not feel obligated to talk. You can chat if you want. But if you just want to watch, hang out, listen to us, that's fine too. So 
Locked and Loaded, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central. Gosman, Otani, be there or be square. Speaking of the Patreon, my rankings are updated. Um, I think across the board, uh, most most uh, positions are recently updated. The pitching one is going to be my primary focus, anyway, uh, over anything else because I'm not I'm not a huge fan of in season hitting rankings being updated because. I just don't think things move nearly as much. Obviously, with injuries and playing time changes, you want to account for that. I think pitching is much more volatile, and so that's where I'm going to be focused. Uh, Cedric from. Mullins disagrees with your theory. With what? Do you, what do you mean? He 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 thinks in season rankings move a lot, but he's, he's been great all year. Exactly, he should, you, should be number you, one. Yeah, if you knew what you your were doing, you were uh, you were already ranking him highly based on the. Uh, the, the cosign from from one Justin Mason, so you should you should have already had him way up there. But I I, I hear you. your point is taken. So, uh, yeah, pitchers were updated on the 16th. They'll get another sweep through today, and then I'll also have an update on Fangraphs proper uh, with my pitcher rankings. So stay tuned for that in the Discord or in, in the uh, Patreon. Also, Justin, I think this week I want to do like a Fab chat for Patreon. I think what we can do is just put up like a uh, uh, a post, like a text post, like, hey, here, put your questions here, and then we can just answer them throughout the day. Uh, so I'm, I'll be testing things with that. So stay tuned for that on Sunday uh, of this week. And that's it for the Patreon news. Patreon.com slash sleeper in the bust or the sleeper in the bust. Let me get that. The sleeper in the bust. It's a, it's a the at the front. Patreon.com slash the sleeper in the bust. If you can support, that's great adding more and more things to that to make it worth your while. And we're also going to have a Patreon-only podcast episode once a month where we kind of let loose a little bit, do some different things. We have plans for that coming up. Uh, we'll probably get one in for June. So we have eight days to do that. We will schedule that offline, you and I, and let people know when that's available. But with that aside, let's get into the news. Today's a reason. There's a reason to be happy today, Justin, not just with you getting your health in order, but also Wander. Franco is debuting. He made it. And I was wrong. I said Vidal Bruhan would come up first. Now, Bruhan has cooled, and that's part of it. But, hey, that's part of the prediction. So I'm not I'm not using that as an excuse. I was wrong. I thought uh, Bruhan could beat him up. And, you know, I had some skepticism about Franco in general just based on Tampa Bay. Um, I did amend that a bit when he, when he was – uh, sent to AAA to start the season because I was worried he'd, he'd start in AA. And then I thought his trek would be a bit longer, even before we knew the COVID protocols of AA, which are, is going to make it harder for anybody to come up directly from AA. But he went to AAA. He's been dominating 148 WRC plus, seven homers, five steals, five of nine on the bases. Not great there. So I do have a question uh, about what his speed component is going to be in the majors. But six triples, 11 doubles, 315 average, 12% strikeout. That's really the key with Franco. Does not strike out. He looks like a monster. 20 years old. Let's just start with what are your expectations of Franco this year? What do you realistically see him doing? We know the upside is sky high. But what are you putting him down for in your mind rest of season for Franco? I'm pretty bullish on him i you know i i say that but uh there there will be people who are like he is going to just light major league baseball on fire and rule over them 
Um, we, we fall for that every time someone comes up. Yeah. Right? There, there's always that because it's a hope more than mm-hmm. an expectation. I hope for people. I uh, I think the the average is going to be there. I think he's too good of just an overall hitter. Uh, I think the speed will be there, though uh, the the conversion rate on that stolen base uh, on the stolen base numbers isn't uh, pretty, like you mentioned. And but uh, so you say the speed will be there, though. But if you're not successful, I think a team like Tampa Bay is going to pull the brakes on him. Yeah, and they may just be a little tentative on him. He's uh, twenty-seven for forty-eight in his career. Yeah, like that's that's horrendous. That's true, and it's like he's never had like a really good season in the minors either. You know, of of base running. Yeah, yeah. In terms of yeah, stealing bases. In terms of from from a conversion rate. Uh, so maybe maybe he we're looking at. Five to seven, five to eight stolen bases. Okay. Um, I think he can hit two eighty, uh, or even better from from the jump. Understandable. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the the big potential appeals is that Wander Franco could come in, hit for average immediately with some power, with some speed thrown in, and. That makes him a transcendent player, particularly being up the middle as well at shortstop. So my, my biggest concern with him is does the power translate early on? Um, and and I think it's reasonable to ask that, especially with like I, I I'm more confident of it than I was coming into the season. I was really worried that he was uh, he he might struggle power wise early on in his career, uh, but uh, he's looked really really good in AAA. Uh, yeah. The power's been there. I do worry about, like, it, it is an atrocious hitter's park. Uh, the new ball may have an effect, too. Um, 272 ISO, by the way. Let me just throw that in. Yeah. Um, and to your point, coming in at, at Franco's three stops, it was 236 ISO in rookie ball, but then 189 and 125. It was really going down as he was moving up. Well, um, we had it, all those reports of, like, him having, like, close to a negative launch angle. Yes. Uh, at the alt site uh, last year, so there were there was um, there's a lot of concern there. I think he's pushed those concerns aside. That being said, like I would expect, if he's playing rest of the season, like double digit home runs, like low double digit home runs, probably five to seven stolen bases with upside of quite a bit more if he is more successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like a 280, 290 average, uh, which is a very, very good player. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, and obviously got no issues there with any of that, if that is indeed what Wander Franco is delivering for folks. Uh, obviously, must have all formats mm-hmm. already scooped in virtually all w- formats. Was like not I, available in a single one of my leagues. Yeah, no chance. No, You know, we always say, go check, do your due diligence. You don't want to be the idiot who, uh, you know, assumes and then your one league is the one where he was available and you miss out because you were uh, you were dragging your feet and you didn't want to do a quick cursory check. You're going to check and you're going to find that he's on a team, but one of y'all out there is going to be one of those lucky folks to be like, oh, wow, he was cut because so-and-so ran into all these, you know, health issues or something like that. So, um, 
we love Franco immediately. We have high expectations. Um, what's what's a downside look like for you? Where a downside that does not include him being sent back, but just kind of playing throughout the year and not quite delivering. Uh, what what does that look like to you for Franco? I mean, that looks like a guy who hits like two fifty something. Okay. Um, the power doesn't translate. Uh, and so you're looking at three or four home runs, and they like give him a red light. Bases. Yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, like I four mean, for seven on the bases or something. I think the floor on his career is still pretty high. Like I think at worst we're looking at a guy who's DJ LeMahieu esque. Um, okay. Long term. So and like that's a floor. Like I think it's a really really high floor uh, for him long term. We saw what happened when Vlad Jr. came up and everybody projected him, or not everybody, but Steamer projected him to win the batting title his rookie That's the season. Thing. When, like, a, uh, when, when the projection is there, mm-hmm. like projections notoriously, you know, uh, conservative, and they were putting him at that level, how do you not get excited? Yeah. And I, my big concern is people are going to just think that the ceiling is extreme or the, the floor is extremely high. I think the ceiling is extremely high. I mean, he could show a ton of power. He could steal bases. He mm-hmm. can hit for average. But I think the idea that any 20 year old coming in and facing major league pitching for the first time, uh, doesn't have a chance of just completely crap in the bed. <laughs> Uh, is is silly. Um, yes. That being said, like I I am stoked. Uh, I wish I had uh, more shares, but I just I couldn't rationalize it playing in so many NFBC leagues, holding a guy like that on my uh, on my roster all year. I think and- I have one share or two shares. I think I got a best ball share, and then I've got him in a league where I'm in thirteenth place, and I'm not going to win. And not just to you know, back my own position, but I don't think it was out of bounds to be concerned about when Franco would come up relative to other prospects. Somebody like Jared Kelnick, who we both loved and we were drafting, we felt he'd be up in the first wave. He was, it did not work. And now he's back down, unfortunately, but you know, that's where we came out uh, between those two. And I wasn't going to get caught holding Franco until like August. And I thought it was not out of bounds to see him coming up potentially as late as that. So, um, yeah, you know, he's not available anywhere right now. And the only, the only real way I would think about acquiring him at this point is if he doesn't do well immediately. And then you try to buy on a measure of a discount. And again, the discount might only be like what we talked about with Kelnick, where the discount is just that he's even available because as it stands right now, he's not going to be available uh, so if there is a little bit of a fall off or, or, or slow start, I should say, then he may become available. So that's where we're at with Franco. Uh, I'm excited. I can't wait. I want to see. I hope he kills it. And I hope we don't have to wait the way we did with uh, with Vlad Jr. Because I was impatient about that. And now he's a god. Uh, let's talk a couple injuries here. Aaron Savale leaves his start with a, what looked like a finger issue. They were uh, They were really taking a look at that finger. Before he went out, it looks like a middle finger on his throwing hand. Uh, we don't have any further information right now. At least let me check. To He's make going sure to see a hand specialist, the same one uh, that um, a couple other guys on the team have seen for broken fingers. 
Ah, Prusak and Roberto so, Perez both yes. saw him. Uh, okay, well, that uh, it, it, it does not sound out. good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's concerning. I guess it's not really actionable at this point because obviously, until we know what's going on, you're not going to just you know outwardly cut him. Where's your concern level with regards to this for Savali? I mean, I'm extremely concerned. Anytime you have to go see a specialist for anything, uh, is it's probably not a good sign. Uh, and who? I wanted, I wanted you to calm me down. He, he failed. No, this is super concerning. Like, when it first yeah, it happened, I thought it was a blister. I, I was watching the game, and that's what they were talking about a little bit. But then when they came out, the way they examined it, mm-hmm. the announcers and you know what I was seeing as well it was clear. We were like, "Uh oh, this is this is deeper." Yeah. So this is, um, yeah, this is super concerning. Uh, what's c- the most concerning part isn't necessarily fantasy related. <laughs> it's this rotation uh, that was the strength of this team is now Eli Morgan, J.C. Uh, Mejia, Cal Quantrill, and Sam Hentages. Uh, None of which are real players. <laughs> That's true, dude. Like, come on. Like, none Stop. of none of these guys actually exist. Uh, this this totally feels like a simulated, like five years down the road, MLB the show season. Yeah, who's their um, catcher? Tom Murphy. Yeah, exactly. They should Get trade for Tom Murphy. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. This is not good for for Cleveland, and it makes me wonder. If Cleveland ends up becoming sellers at the deadline because of this, I think that's a fair. Sorry, I was on mute. I'm, I'm just gonna own it. I was talking and I was like, okay. I was like, <laughs> uh, really? Do you really not buy that? You're giving me the silent treatment again? Yeah, I went, I went silent treatment there. No, no, no. That was the, definitely me being me, me being a doof there. But uh, I, I hear you. You know, they just keep dropping like flies there. Their pitching is definitely what's supposed to carry them. You know, they sustained the the loss of Fran Mill Reyes when he was, you know, uh, half of their offense. Literally, it was it was him and Jose Ramirez were the only ones doing anything. They're still nine games over. So if they can get good news here and survive this, but man, dude, they're dropping like flies. He's the last of their remaining starters that uh, that started the season with with Beaver, Plesak, McKenzie, Logan Allen all out. My boy Cal Quantrill, by the way, I, I didn't hold him through any of the. The tumult that uh, was the beginning of his season, but he has a 274 ERA and a 127 WHIP. Is he somebody that you're viewing as a more firm starting option now because of the the chances he's going to have in Cleveland? Um, yeah, especially now that he's starting to go deeper into games. Uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty much fully stretched out at this point. If he can yeah. handle it, well, I mean, a week ago push. he was going two innings. Like, you know, I mean, it, it was like, so the fact that he's gone four and now five in his last yeah. two starts, uh, and I streamed him in a few leagues this week for the two start, uh, I think he is a talented pitcher. He doesn't have overwhelming stuff, but, uh, you know, keeps men off bases via the, the free pass and uh, keeps the ball in the yard. I, I think he's uh, kind of an interesting guy because now with all these injuries locked into a rotation spot, um, yeah, I think he becomes interesting in your 15-team mixers. Yeah, I think so, too. That's, that's where I'm definitely looking at Quantrill for sure. I wonder if he's going to start to maybe have some some 12-team appeal, though, too, because um, 
I, you'd have to dial up the strikeouts for sure, but the ratios are good for Cal Quantrill. Um, I don't think anybody else really jumps out to me though. Uh, of of those fake names, are any of them, you know, dr- getting any attention from you? Um, not in particularly. Uh, I I, I know I'm butchering his name. Hedges. Hent Hent Jess. Hent Jess. According according to baseball reference. Hent Jess. He's he's Jess. interesting. Um and I actually like Eli Morgan. Uh I liked him coming into the season because he just fits that uh Cleveland mold of a guy yeah. with really, really good command uh and underwhelming stuff. But you know, for actual pitches, he's looked really, really bad though. Um, and the command is it's, what's it's plagued him. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough. So I don't know what has necessarily been going on there. Like, I don't think any of these guys necessarily are must ads. I think these are okay. We've got a good matchup, you know, Hey, you know, one of these guys is on a, a two start with Minnesota and Kansas city. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice here and try to sneak two wins, but no one in this rotation, as it stands at the moment, um, has uh, like any like overpowering stuff, like or like a carrying tool in fantasy where you're like, oh, this is I see really great potential here. No, I think that that's all completely fair. Um, like I said, I'm gonna I'm going to the well with my guy Quantro. I'm starting to pick him up in some leagues, but even he does not have that 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 carrying tool that you're talking about and usually the cleveland mold as it were is like bad fastball good secondary stuff all played up via command as you mentioned so we'll keep an eye there uh and we'll keep an eye on the savali situation at this point obviously you can't do anything you're not cutting him that'd be foolish and hopefully they get good news he's been excellent uh even as the strikeouts have really failed to take that next level i mean he's one of those guys that when you watch savali you certainly understand why or how he could have more strikeouts, but they just don't really come together because I think part of it is just that he just he doesn't go for it. Like you know, it's not part of what he's trying to do. Um, part of it's also the stuff, but when he's on, you see how he can rack up, you know, seven to ten strikeouts in a given outing. But a lot of times, no, not really what he's going for. Has translated into deeper outings, though. His 97 and two-thirds leads baseball, even with yesterday's outing getting shortened. He's got 10 wins, 332 ERA, 107 whip. This would be a big loss, obviously, for Cleveland, but also for fantasy folks everywhere. So hopefully we get some good news. Um, Jesus Lazardo was sent out. Seemed like a matter of time at this point, the way he was pitching. And I guess the real question here isn't anything about the short term because he's an easy cut in all redraft formats, but it's more about the long term. And, you know, we mentioned it probably at least once an episode. Prospect growth isn't linear. And uh, we really need to be chanting that maybe from the fetal position of a padded room with uh, with regards to Lazardo to not lose our minds because of how upset a lot of folks probably are with this uh, failure that he's had this year. Does your long-term outlook on Lazardo change based on this 38-inning uh, run of, of just outwardly ugly performance? I mean, I think it has to a little bit, but I think he's a buy-low opportunity um, in, in your keeper and dynasty leagues. I think the the there is an increased chance that he ends up in the bullpen. Um, 
which would be really, really unfortunate. Uh, but I think he could be a dynamic end of a bullpen piece. Uh, I think the A's will attempt to continue to figure out uh, him in the rotation. That being said, it's been really ugly. He really struggles within the zone uh, and just gives up way too many home runs. Uh, the stuff is electric, and I, I'm, I, I think there is just a ton of talent in the arm, so I'm not giving up on him. I would try to buy low on him in those dynasty and keeper leagues, but... I think the floor is a lot lower than we originally had thought. I think that's fair too. And, you know, I definitely did not see this at all. But the fact that he was a consistent top 100 guy gave me pause. I, I didn't know that he was necessarily ready to make that sort of jump to where, you know, obviously when you're taking somebody that high with Lozardo, you're asking a lot of him. Like, you need a measure of production um, that a guy has to fit to be a top 100 pick. And I'm trying to pull up right now where we had him to start the season. I had him as my 29th starter. So I, I was up there too. You had him at 34. You were a little bit lower. I don't think 29 starters. Well, I probably were 29 stars my top 100. So maybe I had him up there as well. But even with my ranking being there, still something that I guess I was questioning my own. And we've talked about this before about ranking a guy somewhere where, you know, the consensus has him, but if you're not taking him there, don't you have to kind of make an adjustment? And so um, Lazardo was somebody I started to lower as the season started, even before he really, really fell off. And now here we are. He's He's been sent out. I think the buying opportunity is definitely there in Dynasty because it's going to come with a real discount, right? Nobody's asking, no, nobody's asking anything close to uh, a, a frontline price at this juncture. And you can maybe even get away with like a, a little combo, you know, a little poo-poo platter of, of three decent pieces for somebody, especially if they're contending and you're not. You get Lazardo, you fill a couple of their, uh, uh, of their biggest injury issues or something like that. So with regards to Lazardo, I'm okay buying low right now. But I also under, want to understand that, you know, He's not necessarily going to come out of this. There was a home run issue last year that he kind of papered over with the rest of his skills that really came to the forefront this year. And I just wonder, does he does he have it? Does he have the big swing and miss pitch to be kind of a frontline guy? So I don't want to overreact to 38 I, innings from a 23-year-old either. Let's also not forget that he has dealt with a number of injuries over the last few years. Like, in... He's no, he has yet to have like that completely healthy start to a season and then get going uh, that I think he might need. Um, I think a lot of the starting and stopping because of injuries or starting the season late, uh, your physical well-being, but your mental preparation as a starting pitcher, um, especially for a young guy. Uh, he's only 23. Mm -hmm. He's going to be 24 heading into next season. Uh I'm definitely not quitting him, uh, and if he's healthy coming in to next year, I think I will try and take the discount. Yeah, I think that there's certainly, like, we talk about it all the time, about how guys can get left for dead after a dip like this, and I could totally see Lazardo if, if he doesn't really turn anything around this year and, and, and leave a good impression at the end of the season for folks, I could see him getting left and just being so cheap 
um, next year at drafts and both of us will be scooping him left and right. I can definitely, definitely see how that plays out. So I'm keeping him on my radar. I don't want to overreact to 38 innings from somebody I really did like, um, especially last year. I, 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 I balked a little bit on his price this year at the top 100, but I still really liked him as a pitcher. Top 30 guy for me. I'm not quitting Lazardo. All right, let's put a few guys in focus here. And I want to start with somebody who's been playing very well and not really getting a lot of due yet, partly because he's on a terrible team in the Diamondbacks, but also because I don't know that he was as heralded of a prospect as maybe he should have been. You know, top top 10 draft pick, uh, seventh overall back in 2017, Paven Smith, an infield, outfield kind of guy who can play first, but also play really good defense in the outfield. So cuts that Bellinger mold to that end defensively, not so much offensively because he doesn't quite have that sort of power, but he's a damn fine hitter too. And you know, he kind of reminds me of hitting wise is Alex Verdugo uh, as somebody, you know, who's got batting average, a little bit of pop, maybe even a little sprinkle of speed. All in all, there is not a standout, you know, lockdown fantasy tool, but it all adds up to be pretty good, especially for somebody who can go first base outfield on your team. What do you think of what Paven Smith has done so far in uh, 70 games with a 275, 330, 414 line, five homers and one steal? Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty impressive. Um, and the underlying numbers are uh, pretty impressive as well. I mean, he's got a 7% swing and strike rate an almost 94% zone contact percentage. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he kind of sprays the ball to all fields. He doesn't, like, he doesn't, like, have this profile of a guy who's, like, ever going to be um, an overwhelming, uh, like, bat. But he feels like... I hate to make the comp because he's, the, he's who he's kind of replacing. He's kind of Christian Walker-esque. That's interesting. I, I thought maybe you would uh, conjure up the name of like uh, David Peralta because I kind of yeah. see him in that vein a bit too, which I guess is, is not totally dissimilar from Walker. But yeah, so, you know, neither of those guys had carrying fantasy tools either. I, 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 th- I think Peralta, because of the batting average, is why I, 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 I venture over there. I mean, he does have a 30-homer season on his ledger. So if Paven Smith spikes a 30-homer a season at some point, that'd be pretty nice. Um, what do you realistically see as his upside with power and speed for Paven Smith? Not just this year, but as, as you know, as he develops in the next couple. Um, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be like a 30 homer bat. Uh, unless there needs to be like a real change in his swing. Uh, he, he's, you know, got a 50% ground ball percentage, mm-hmm. um, and like a 27% fly ball percentage. And that is somewhat in line with what he's done in the minor leagues. Like this is, he just has this kind of level swing, hits the ball into the ground a fair amount. You know, maybe there's a a hitting coach who comes along and goes, Hey, let's, let's add just a little bit more loft to your swing. Uh, And maybe that, you know, propels him into like a 25, 30 home run season. But yeah, I'm thinking he's more along the lines of a, I don't know, 18-7 kind of guy with like a 270 batting average? Yeah, I, I, 
I like where you're keying in on the seven steals too, by the way. I think I'm, I'm overstating the speed potential a little bit. Like I, when I comped him to Verdugo, Verdugo is somebody I think can get to double digits, especially because he, he is one of those guys who should play pretty much every single day. Verdugo is. So I think he's more of like a, a 23, 12 kind of guy. I hear you on Smith being closer to uh, seven or fewer stolen bases. Never really yeah, much prob- in probably, the there. Prob- probably fewer. Honestly, yeah, it's, it's probably, probably more of like a, a four to five uh, yeah. little contribution. But I think I think the 18 is, is where we should be looking this year with the with the homers. I think he can be a, a 20s something as he develops, because I think he will kind of uh, round into some some better power as he gets older. Uh, he's got better raw power than game power. And as he kind of brings that into uh, I- into game power. I think we start to see more of a, a low to mid 20s type of guy. But I think 18 for this year makes sense with uh, with that little handful of steals. Batting average is going to be the driving force here. And what, what, what you're going to need. For, he's at 275 right now. If he dips too much below that, then all of a sudden it does become a little difficult to have him in like 10s and 12s. But in 15s, he's a great glue guy. I like what Payment Smith can do. Um when when you're talking about putting him as like a fourth outfielder in some deeper leagues, when you need to rely on him in like tens and twelves, that's where you can get in trouble with guys like this. And I know that from experience because I I fall for these guys and then I end up having like three or four of them in my outfield and I wonder why I'm way behind in power. You know? Yeah, he's um, I think he's like a glue guy in fifteens. I don't think he's necessarily ten or or twelve team viable. And part of the issue is the park he plays in. Is not great for power, uh, and the division he plays in, uh, you've got to go go against the Giants pitching staff, the Padres pitching staff, and the Dodgers pitching staff. That's a lot of games against some really really good pitchers uh, and a fair amount of lefties. So, um, I uh, I think he is. Yeah, I mean, an interesting glue guy in, in deeper formats, but like, I honestly don't think he is. Uh, he he doesn't yet have a carrying tool that makes him super interesting for ten or twelves. I mean, super interesting, sure, but he needs to be rostered in twelve teams. Outfield is just I, not good. I, I disagree. Like, I I don't think you like you can disagree, but I think you're provably wrong. Like the numbers just don't bear it out that you can avoid. But we were just talking about this off air. Like, have this guy. like Steven Duggar is still available in way too many leagues. Like, okay, um, Akil Badu like is available in a number of twelve team leagues. Like, I, well, I mean, those one off examples like that that doesn't negate Smith's viability. Like, there's not, there's just not that much depth at outfield to where you could afford to bypass payments. I mean, he's the fifty first or fifty third in outfield. Like. Sandwiched between Solak and and Dylan Carlson, David Peralta, Charlie Blackman, Mike Yastrzemski, Trent Grisham, Josh Ro- Rojas. Those are the guys around him. Like he absolutely is twelve team viable. Like that's not even a question. I'm sorry. Tens, I hear you because tens are tens, you know. But twelve, no, the, no way. I think there's there's between saying he's viable in a twelve team league and that like you just he, said he wasn't. Like I don't think he. Yeah, I don't. I don't mm. He absolutely is. He he absolutely is. Like Pavin Smith has to be on a team in twelves. No, no. I think there's there's a difference between 
having to be on a team and being a vi- is being viable. It, I do not think he, he has to be. He is viable on. and he has to be on a team for sure. And I, I wouldn't even go so far as to say like it's like a, he has to be on a team and not necessarily yours. If he's available, he needs to be picked up in a 12. Full stop. Like not it's not even a question. Okay. Yeah. Rest of the season. Would okay. you rather have Smith or Steven Duggar? Smith. Guaranteed playing time. Doesn't strike out 50% of the time. Um, I know Duggar. Not, it's not at 50. But batting atop the order. I mean, it's not a great order. But, yeah. E- easily Smith. Uh, but wait, wait. Backtrack on the uh, batting top. No, he, he actually balances around in the order more than I thought. Pavin Smith does. Pardon me on that. But, yeah, I'll still take him over Duggar. Um, okay. I, I disagree. Uh, Smith or Akil Badu? Um, definitely Smith. He's just a better hitter. Badu has altered himself. I like, I like the changes he's made to become a much better, um, uh, much more patience at the plate, but both he and Duggar still strike out way too much, putting their batting average in, in great peril. Hmm. Okay. I, I disagree on both of these, in case you, you can't uh, tell. Um, oh, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> Smith or Taylor Ward, who's been I mean, pretty decent. Yeah, um, I, I think those other guys are better than Ward, so I would go Smith. Okay. Smith or Jesus or Jesus Sanchez? I like Sanchez, but until I see something, I'm go- I got to go. I, I got to go Smith there. All right. I think you're just higher on Smith than I am. I think that's. I definitely think that's true. But you you kind of glossed over my my point about him being 53rd in the outfield player raider there. Um, you know, Duggar's 60th. He's right there. You know, the names I said around him. Badu 64th. You don't see him as like a, a must play in 12s. I don't. With five outfielders. I don't. I think he is viable i think he can i think he can be on rosters uh i think i'm not gonna like beat someone up if that's your fifth outfielder but like i think often in 12s i'm looking for a guy who is going to give me a carrying uh counting category um and yeah but at, but at what cost because we're talking like an outfielder like a fourth or fifth outfielder here mm-hmm. for Paven smith so you know at at, at at what cost do you get somebody who who can steal like Badu, but might hit two thirty? And obviously, it depends on like team fit. But I think that these are the kind of guys that definitely get underrated uh, with with Payman Smith. Is guys if that, he was on like a better team where I you, felt better about his ability to accumulate runs and RBIs. You didn't learn it all from Verdugo, did you? I did not. And I, you did the, you've done the exact same thing with him and. It, yeah, but Verdugo's kind of, like like leading off or hitting high up in on a really good team in a really good park. Okay. And my issues with Verdugo um, were, I mean, I definitely had some of these concerns with Verdugo, um, but it was more a matter of uh, I did not like some of the off the field things I had heard, mm-hmm. um, which have not I mean, panned out. He's been good. Pavin Smith has still spent most of his time leading off. Uh, 122 of his plate appearances have on, been there. Not on a, he's got 36 RBIs. Like he, or 36, 36, 36 runs. runs, 25 yeah. RBIs. Like that, 
and his rest of season projections are not much more I, than I, that. I, I, like, I, I truly, I, I disagree with those. Rest two, of season projection could not care less. Uh, with first off projections in general, just not my main thing. But then with rookie projections, they're they're generally worthless. Like they they have no idea how to project rookies. Um, so, you know, I'm telling Derek, eight, you said that. I love Derek, and that's the, if I am going to go to one, it is the bad X, a thousand percent. But rookies has always been what he catches the most heat on, and he's he's worked to alter that to make sure that he's not completely missing on guys um, by giving them, you know, this this very nothing projection. But okay, you know, pacing for eighty four runs, like that's not elite, but it's also not terrible. But what, like, what if? He, because what are you projecting him to hit batting average rise rest of the season? I think he at least maintains the 275, if not better for Payton Smith. Okay, so I mean, and I think he probably can. Like, I think that's in, within the range of outcomes, but doesn't strike out, doesn't swing and miss really. At, I mean, it's a lot of ground balls. That's that's beneficial to batting average. What a 22% soft contact percentage. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm unmoved by that. Six percent barrel rate. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I'm. I, I think. I, I. I. Yeah, I think we just disagree on. We do, the but usefulness I, I of. I just David don't Smith. think you've outlined a case for why you do that. He's boring. That's it. He's there it is. Boring. There it is. And that's that. Who cares? Who cares though? You 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 are getting the shins, dude. Shiny new toy syndrome. Uh, you need something flashy. I, I mean, and yeah. sometimes you just need somebody to go in there. I think he's. And just I play. think he's fine a fifteen team league. I just don't think he's interested that interesting in the think, shallower league. You know, again, we're gonna start going in circles here. Yeah, so we'll I move on. But like, I think you're greatly overrating what's available in the outfield in twelve teams. I just listed a bunch of guys I'd rather have. You listed two guys that aren't even available in all leagues. I I listed four guys who are available in our le- our twelve team league. Uh, Jesus Badu. Sanchez, oh, Badu, yeah, Taylor Ward, uh, Stephen Tucker. Sanche- you're taking Sanchez over Pavin Smith rest of the season. Okay, let's let's bet on that. I'll, I'll take the upside. Fine. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, let, let's let's absolutely bet twenty dollars on that. <laughs> because I mean, I want free money. I like money. <laughs> I like Sanchez too. I'm, I'm, I'd actually be rooting for you on that side because I do like him. But no chance I would I would just blindly take Sanchez over Smith. Sanchez could be sent out in like a week. This is true, and then I'll move on to the next guy. Smith has, which it happens know, in twelve-team leagues all the time. Team security, yes. Or you could take a guy who you know won't be and lock him into your fourth outfielder spot, and because you're still going to need those other guys for your fifth outfielder spot, because again, you're greatly overrating the availability of outfielders. Those guys should be replacing somebody other than Smith. I think is is the final point I'll make there. So, you're greatly underrating Smith, in you're my wrong. opinion. And uh, we'll continue. Listen, let's have an actual discussion because I want nope. some usefulness for this. Okay, cool. Well, that's annoying. Um, Gary Sanchez <laughs> has been hitting well. Do you believe it? I mean, do I believe that he is? Because I do believe that he is right now. Do I believe that he will continue to? Uh, 
No, I mean, it feels unlikely. Yeah, I mean, he... Let's see where he bottomed out. 619 OPS after his 0 for 2 on May 5th. That looks like the bottom. And then since then, since May 6th, going forward then, please load, take longer. Love that. Yes, definitely not trying to get something done here, baseball reference. 273, 344, 591 with nine homers in the subsequent 122 plate appearances for Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I mean... He is for the season. He has eleven home runs. He's hit two thirty-seven. Like that's who he is. There's gonna be the hot stretches and there's gonna be the cold stretches. And at the end of the year, you're going to look at your the guy and go, "Yeah, he was like the thirteenth most valuable catcher, and that's where I got him." Well, not if he keeps hitting for that kind of power. Your, your your calibration is way off this morning. I got to be honest with you. 13th best. If he continues to do that. Well, I, mean, I guess he's, yeah, he's the fourth most valuable catcher yeah, according to Fangraft's player reader. Wow, that's yeah. I surprising. Mean, what do you think is going on at catcher? Same thing you think is going on at outfield. Somehow he's more valuable than Buster Posey, which doesn't make sense. I think the Fangraft's yeah, calculator is, is off. Yeah, no, that I don't agree with. Being oh, you know what? That's projections. Rest yeah, okay, season yeah. projections. Because Posey's Let's... two and Sanchez is eight. But like I said, you said thir- like if he does, if he's this guy the rest of the way, he's pacing for thirty-four homers. Well, hang on, that's actually probably for one sixty-two, which he's not going to play. But he would still be pacing for high twenties homers with a two thirty-seven average. Okay. So he's he's that's the eighth top. most valuable catcher according to the FanGraphs yeah. auction calculator. Um, I just said that. Oh, did you? I did not yeah. hear that. I'm sorry. He's a Posey's two, right? Posey's two. Yeah. Um, I, I thought you were. I thought you were working off the player radar. Um, um. So okay, but, but you said you know that this is who he is. The two thirty seven. And I agree with you. By the way, I don't think he's the batting average surge of what did I say two seventy seven or something. You know that's great that he's been hitting that for thirty three games. But you and I are in lockstep. No, that's, that's not, not going to be. But if he hits 237 the rest of the way with this with this kind of power output, which again I think would would foster another 17 to 20 homers, that's like a top five catcher, I think. Uh probably. Yeah, I think he's like top five to ten. Easily um, top ten rest of the way. Easily with, with with this kind of pop and upwards of top five, depending on how the rest of catcher because like Zunino's ahead of him right now. Yeah, and who would you take rest of the season? And uh, no, you take Gary Sanchez. Um, yeah. and Carson Kelly, who's right behind him, he got he, hurt again. He's and, hurt it. Yeah, he broke his wrist. He's he's done for the year, uh, more than likely. Blows, dude. Like the I most know, unlucky dude. I mean, just, I know the wrist did not have anything to, to you know that did not come about because of the foot fracture i still thought it was so weird that they brought him back so quickly off of that foot fracture though man yeah but he was all right <laughs> he was playing he was like but was he was he even hitting i think he was hitting poorly since returning oh, was he? I, I think so since coming off the il yeah let me see here uh may 25th when he came back he was hitting 171 234 286 is that bad it, it's it's ungood he okay. did have a couple of homers. It's ungood. <laughs> but uh, it was very ungood. And so now he's out for the year, like you said. So there's room with attrition for everything for Sanchez to be like a top five guy. Uh, would you be interested in acquiring Gary Sanchez? 
Um, I mean, depends on the price. Given that it's a buy high, probably not. Also, yeah, that's kind of what I figured you might say. What if? Okay, let me try to give some. Would you trade Paven Smith for him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. What about? Let's assume that you you spiked a third catcher, right? Okay, so mm -hmm. you can trade one here, uh, because you got. Urinator or something. I don't know. Who cares? Let's just say you can you can afford to move a catcher. <laughs> you spiked the third catcher when there's like six viable catchers. I, yeah, in you, you somehow you somehow spiked the third catcher when nobody even has two that they want to trust. Um, would you trade Ross Stripling, who's surging of late, or would you trade Sanchez for Ross Stripling? Would you want? Is that a good enough pitcher for you? I think that's. Fairish, um, you know that's probably actually that's probably get, I mean if if you're getting Sanchez, it's a really good deal. If you're giving or if you're uh, getting Stripling, you, you're probably not getting enough. Probably, I mean, probably want to squeeze a little bit more, right? Yeah, because I mean, and we also have to kind of distinguish if you're playing a two catcher league versus a one catcher league. In a I'm one catcher two league at, at this point, but okay. uh, if, yeah, let's go one catcher actually. In a, in a more one catcher league, I think that's guys. a bit closer um, because you know typically in one catcher leagues you're just kind of you know scraping the barrel, you know, or the, yeah. the bottom of the barrel. Um, in a two catcher league, uh, I would want more. So, for instance. I think Gary Sanchez was the eighth catcher off the board mm -hmm. uh, coming in draft season, uh, about one pick uh, 158. Guys okay. who were going in that area during the draft season, Michael Brantley, Ryan Mountcastle, Ian Hatt, Dylan Carlson, Fran Reyes, you know, those are, you know, Frankie Montas, some real, real players. Going like, so, there. yeah, some real talent. So, like in a two catcher league, I'd want more than just Ross Stripling. In a one catcher league, I think I'd probably still want a little bit more. Um, I, I would push for a little bit more, but I might settle for Stripling. Yeah, yeah. If, if I had to, because I think in a one catcher league, like this is a real conversation because you might have, you know, a, a Gary Sanchez and a Posey. Yeah, and a Posey. Yeah, for, like that's you, a perfect you, you example. You picked up Posey mm -hmm. because Sanchez was terrible, but you didn't want to cut him. Or like so a Max like, Stassi. Like, yes, you know. there you go. That's even more likely because he came off the wire, uh, off the IL. You might have picked him up, and now you have two good guys here, and you're like, well, I don't need both these guys. So, yeah, let me uh, let me push up the pitcher a little bit more and see if you feel a bit more comfortable with um, but Casey Mize for your extra catcher. Hmm. I don't do Mize, but I might do his teammate, Tarek Skubal. Okay. And are you valuing – are you going then Skubal stripling Mize in your in your quick ranking in your head? I am. Okay. And it's because Mize is K's or severe lack thereof. And yes. playing on the Tigers. The fuck did you just say? You heard me. Okay, the Paven Smith thing pissed me off. This, <laughs> this, this ended. I, I, I told you I wasn't going to be very nice today. It's true. Yeah. We did get a little spicy uh, with the uh, – you mentioned it at the outset there. Um, no, I think that that's uh, obviously super fair with regards to the, you know, the Tigers being awful. Um, and I'm with you on Scoobs because his strikeouts are just so much better there. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's where we're at with Sanchez. He is who he is. You know, he's who we thought – what is it? 
He is who we thought he was. Uh, they are who we thought they were. Um, don't let him off the hook. He's back to being himself. Power guy. He's going to be a batting average drain. He could hit as low as sub 200 the rest of the way. Yeah. So keep that in mind. That is very much a possibility. Let's move on. Julio Urias. We're moving the other way here. Payment Smith, Sanchez doing pretty well. Urias, not as much of recent. His bottom line numbers, you're still going to look and say, well, what's wrong with the 399 ERA and a 107 whip? And uh, 95 strikeouts in 88 innings. I say no, nothing. That's that's fine. And an and, and NL high nine wins, which we like too. Um, all that's good. But Justin, he's raised his ERA nearly a full run in his last five starts, going from 303 to the 399 I just mentioned, thanks to two duds. Two mediocre starts. Uh, one was a, a baseline quality start at Pittsburgh. So when you factor in the competition, that feels pretty bad. And then the next start against Philly, he did like the uh, Pennsylvania two-step there. The next start against Philly was one out shy of being a baseline quality start because he only went five and two-thirds. And then the other start there was against Atlanta. So like one good, two mediocre, two bad in those five starts has raised his ERA by a run. Are you concerned by this recent uh, jump in ERA, or are you looking at San Francisco, Atlanta, San Diego, Philly, Pittsburgh, obviously very bad, but the, are you looking at the schedule and saying, oh, I'll give him a little pass. Where do you currently stand on Julio Urias with his recent uh, mediocrity, let's call it? Because I don't even want to say it's been like super bad because the core skills are still pretty decent. Yeah, I, I'm not super worried. I think there are going to be stretches like this for a guy who's still young uh, and is playing in a division where he's got to go up against the Padres and the Giants and, you know, go to Colorado. Like, mm-hmm. um, and but, face Paven Smith and the Diamondbacks. And pace, yeah, yeah Paven Smith and Diamondbacks. I mean, he's had to face Paven a whole one time. Um, I, don't even know was, I don't even know if Paven was in the lineup that day. I'm, I'm looking it up. He was 0 for 4. He, gave, he let yeah. him off the hook. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, Paven Smith's not good. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to wear this one. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not super worried about him. You know, he that, that Giants game was really, really ugly, but they really, like, dinked and dunked him to death. Yeah, he uh, up 11 hits. Yeah. Uh, um, he just did in that, in that ugly outing there. And so, you know, it, it's not like he was being beaten around. The one homer he gave up was Donovan Solano, dude. Yeah. It was a shot, though. It was. It was blasted. It was blasted. Uh, um, but, you know, they, they got him good. And then uh, San Diego last night dropped a six-berg on him. And the, the, the concerning one about that, though, was the four walks mixed in. Um, cause he hadn't really been walking guys at all this year. Uh, been limiting walks very well for Urias. And then the overarching concern in the five starts, uh, are the six homers in 25 and two thirds. That's a 2.1 mark. So, you know, but that's, that's looking at five starts in focus there and saying like, oh, should I be worried? Bottom line is still a 399 ERA and a 107 whip. Th- those two don't marry uh, the ERA is higher than a, that whip would normally generate, which means there's probably some ERA uh, improvement coming if he continues to pitch like this, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's just too talented of a pitcher to to you know get too worried about right now. Yeah. I mean, unless there's I something so. uh, health wise 
that is popping up that we don't know about, and that's the the reason he's you know had a little bit of these struggles. But considering those starts were almost a month apart, I was gonna say they're the bookends of the five start run, and it's not like he was dreadful in the interim. And it's not like the Dodgers are doing the Dodgeritis thing with him, right? Like they're Correct. not like not yet at least. Yeah, like they're not. They haven't. They've been letting him go. You know, he's regularly gone five, six, even sometimes seven innings. Um, you know, I do worry that at some point there might be. Like, like I think you were Fair. just alluding to, like he maybe a, a a phantom IL stint. But I don't think the Dodgers can afford to do that at this point, considering how tight the standings are. I mean, they're two games back of the Giants, and the Padres are two and a half games back of them. I think that's uh, a topic we need to dive into here soon, whether it's Thursday's episode or something early next week, um, with the innings, because it's going to start to be a thing. You know, these the, they're not just going to let them go now that we're in season and be like, oh, well, everyone's going to throw 200. No, they're still going to be finagling um, across the league, and we have to – Maybe start figuring out how we might uh, how we might judge it. So I, I really just want to take your temperature on Urias here. I don't have any concerns about him. I'm not, you know, plummeting and plummeting him down my rankings, even on the heels of yesterday's, uh, you know, six against San Diego. Uh, if anything, I'd be more inclined to buy this dip, and and see if he was available in trade leagues, and I would be open to trading for him at that point. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to Jake Odorizzi, who uh, was dominant yesterday against Baltimore. I know, you know, thwarting Baltimore does not necessarily jump off the page as, oh, wow, how, how are you able to handle that great team? But it was in Baltimore, and, you know, with the weather heating up, that is a dangerous place to pitch. He threw five no-hit innings, just one walk, nine strikeouts, uh, coming off four scoreless innings against Texas his last time out before that. Um, a decent outing at Boston, the outing before that. So now you add up the three starts here for uh, Odorizzi, and he's got a 193 ERA with 18 strikeouts against just two walks in his last 14 innings. Is Odorizzi somebody who's on your radar as a uh, as somebody to, to put in your lineup? I think he has to be right now. I mean, he's now... I don't know how available he is. That's why I didn't say, is he somebody you have to pick up? Because I think... I, he was fairly available in Fab last week. I think the fact that he had a yes. two-start and it was a really nice two-start probably ate into quite a bit of that. I think that's fair. Yeah, that that's exactly what we were seeing with Odorizzi. And now, you he's... know, he can't be available in too many leagues. Maybe some 10 teams. Yeah, because, I mean, his, his next start... Uh, is, uh, you know, later this week, um, is a good one as well versus uh, your Detroit Tigers on yeah, Sunday. It's a uh, slam dunk right there. So in Detroit. So, um, yeah, so I'm sure he's less available. If he's still available, if you're in, you know, like a daily pickups league, I would go grab him uh, and, uh, and, and you know, the, the I mean, the biggest concern with, I think, with Odorizzi right now is the fact that he's not seeing a lot of batters. Like, so the fact that he went four innings in his last start and then five innings this start is great. We're still talking about, you know, teens total batters faced. True. That was kind which... of his MO with Minnesota, though. Like, I, I think I think 
Houston's ramping them up for a little bit more, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they're really going to send it sky high. I think they want to get him into that low 20s range. To your point, he's not there yet because, what did you say, he's been high teens? Yeah. Um, they want to get he's him into— He's only think, faced 20 total batters in one start that was against San Diego. Yeah, they, they want that, I think, to be low to mid-20s. So there's still a little bit more juice to squeeze out out there. But I, I don't know. I think, you know, you look at the uh, Rotowire Online Championship, 85% rostered. So he's not available in many of those 12-teamers. Um, not going to be available in any mains. He did double his roster rate in ESPN from uh, 12 to 24. So he's still very available in those. Those are 10s. Are you looking to add Odorizzi in 10s right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's on a really, so really too. good team. So if he does go five, he's going to have a real uh, opportunity to win games. He's getting strikeouts. Uh, I mean, he, he's inducing weak contact when contact is made. Uh, mm-hmm. I Yeah, I, I, I mean, if you take off like those first two starts when he came off uh, the IL, um, you've got a guy with a 278 ERA and over a strikeout inning. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's uh, that that's definitely something that you want on your team. Obviously, they have a lot of guys that they can finagle in and out of their rotation right now. You know, they moved Christian Javier. Um, I think Odorizzi is a little bit more guaranteed though because he hasn't pitched a ton thus far, mm-hmm. and Luis Garcia is going to get some time, you know, in the bullpen or something like that. They can't they can't just let him go full full bore the rest of the way, you know. But it's Dusty Baker. He, that reputation. I know. Is I know. So... I'm, just, I'm, I'm just playing around. So you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I do like Odorizzi. Um, really liked him with Minnesota. Was hoping for him to get on track last year. He did not. He only threw four four games. This year he was somebody that I liked, but ended up having to cut him in a few spots because he just wasn't pitching and he wasn't pitching well in the few times that he did. And so now he's back and dominating. But uh, yeah, if he is available, go check him out. A lot of leagues he's not going to be. Uh, we need to circle back to news real quick because I forgot one thing. Byron Buxton fractured his hand. He got hit by a pitch. And at this point, like this is the most snake bitten person in baseball, right? Like This is insane. Why don't we throw Alberto Mondesi on this one as well? Yeah. Ahead and do that. Uh, uh, he's back on the IL with the other oblique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whoever is hugging Mondesi too tight needs to stop it. Right. Like They're these. This feels like up his obliques. Uh, and I mean, you gotta feel for Buxton because this is, uh, like I know he gets um a lot of crap uh for being injury prone, and I I mean I think he deserves some of it. But, like, an injury it, like this I... is just, you know, he got hit on the hand with a pitch. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, this he's is... had more than one of these. Like, the, yeah. the, like he's had some bad luck injuries that I don't think he gets enough, uh, you know, leeway for. Yeah. I think it's just the totality of injuries kind of gets to a point where it's, like, it's just frustrating for fantasy managers mm-hmm. and they just start going, well, this guy is injury prone. And like I said, I, I think there is some truth to it, but like this injury isn't a part of that. Uh, it is a boxer's uh, fracture, um, which for those who don't know is a part of your pinky uh, that um, kind of like the, the part that connects to your knuckle mm-hmm. um, on, on your hand. Uh, it typically is splinted. Um, or casted for three to six weeks. 
which means he's probably out for close to two months, depending on the severity uh, of this injury. Um, bad, dude. And typically, like, so this typically happens from punching someone. That's why it's called a, a boxer's fracture. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't typically happen from, like, a crushing blow. It can uh, but it's a lot more rare. Um, so he's just he's just unlucky. Uh, you gotta hold on to him, dude's Like like for like per plate appearance, has been one of the best players in baseball. Hit a home run like right off rip when he came yeah. back. Oh yeah, uh, before before he just got hurt. So yeah, this I mean this sucks, dude, with Buxton. It really does. I think you gotta you gotta try to hold and. It has to be a really extreme example to not to not hold through this because of the upside with him. What about Mondesi though? With the uh, with the other oblique getting hurt, you know, instantly back on the IL after coming off. I mean, it's probably the same scenario that you got to hold through that. But what, where do you stand with him getting hurt and going back on the IL and and probably facing a, another suspend or uh, another lengthy outage? Yeah, I mean, this is. You know what's going to happen again is it, he's going to come back in August and he's going to steal 25 bases. You are not wrong. And hit like eight home runs. Um, and sucker us back in. And he's still going to go in the second round of drafts. Uh, no way. He, I mean, if he does something like that, you're right. You're right. You're right. But God, I hope for our own I mean, that's that- what he has done. Um, no, dude. Like, oh god, you're you're not wrong. I'm not. I, I'm saying no to like convince myself not to do it more. more there's than There's always gonna be you. one guy. There's always gonna be one guy. In I mean, in 59 games, he stole 24 last year. Uh, yeah. I mean, he could easily do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, True. I mean, even the projection systems, like. You know, I, I'm assuming Steamer and the Bat haven't necessarily. Well, maybe they have updated. Um, probably not since the injury. But I mean, Zips in in uh, depth charts have. They've got him for 19 stolen bases and 20 stolen bases in 57 or 59 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, people are gonna. People are just if if he does that, and even if he doesn't do that, like let's say this is a completely lost season. He's still going to go in like the fourth or fifth round. Oh, that's true. Maybe Just even because higher. of the potential upside, uh, you know, people want to buy and and you know a big spring or or just some good news during the. Um, you know, I mean, dur- uh, Austin Meadows had a completely like lost season, didn't have like the speed component to his game, and people were still taking him in the fifth round. This year now, I mean that is paid off, but paid off. Yeah. that's what people are going to be. People are going to like point to that as a, an example of, hey, you know, just just a lost season. You don't write a guy off with this kind of talent, which, in some regards, I understand. But at what point do we start calling Mondesi injury prone? Oh, we have to already be there, no? I would think so. Like, yeah, how how, how is he not? It would be my question if somebody wanted to say that he is. I'd be like, well. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, because we've now had two oblique injuries and a hamstring injury. Um, And I've played more games at the major league level this year. (laughs) 
Yeah, dude, it's 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 really it's really frustrating there with Mondesi. Again, though, I think you really got to try to hold through it because he's just too good. Because no, 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 you, you'll give someone else your the league title at the end of the season. That, that's that's the tough part. That's really the tough part. Um, I did have one league where I had both. Um, yeah, I was like, I'll win steals, and no, I won't. Psych. You know what the most frustrating part about the Buxton one is? Is he hit that home run on Sunday, so he wasn't in your lineups. Yes. And then you yes. put him in your lineup on Monday. And, and now you're stuck. And now you're stuck all week. And I know you have to get going, but that's something I wanted to discuss. And what we have to be careful when we're assessing these guys is, like, the way you talk about their numbers, like, when you're... You're not getting you're, all of it. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're not even close. And I don't think we give enough credence to that and point point out that like hey yeah he did this but how much of it did you actually get and Strasburg's another guy like that on the pitching side that you wouldn't get all of his stuff so yeah it's really frustrating they're both annoying Buxton and Mondesi you got to hold through them unfortunately but I know you got to get going so that's where we're at uh, on today's stuff we'll talk a little bit hold and fold on Thursday uh, I also want to talk about some strategy stuff that you're doing with your TGFBI saves and then even though we'll be uh, a bit removed from it I still want to talk a little bit more about Johan Oviedo who was our our free agent pickup of the week that both of us really keyed in on with his Detroit and Pittsburgh starts he'll have one of the starts in the bag by Thursday so we can talk about it more but Justin great speaking with you even when it gets a little spicy we'll be together on Wednesday tomorrow Gosman Otani 3 p.m. Central join the Patreon for that otherwise good luck with everything and I'll talk to you later take it easy